0: Hi, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. On this episode, I'm super excited to be talking to Jason Zook, a writer and entrepreneur who's crazy enough to launch projects like selling his last name. Really. In this episode, we'll be talking about his next crazy project, which he says is his craziest project yet. Most of all, though, Jason will be telling us about how he managed the entire creative journey this project took him on. Let's get to it. Jason, it's awesome to have you on. Jason, welcome to Process.
1: Thank you. I'm excited. I like processes, so this is going to be fun.
0: Right? It's the perfect word for this talk in particular. Tell me a little bit about this new project of yours that you're working on, which is the craziest one yet.
1: Yes. So this crazy project is, is kind of the culmination of a couple years of work and a couple years of pain points for me. You know, for, for those listeners who obviously listen to the intro and they know a little bit about me, um, the past two years, I've been very focused on creating products. And these products uh, help people solve problems. And there's a great value exchange. There's, you know, I build something, someone gives me money for that thing, they get, you know, they learn something, it's great. But I don't love the process of selling. I don't love the sales funnels, the marketing strategies, all this stuff. I totally am aware that I can do it. I'm, you know, I've enjoyed it once or twice. It's been fun. But I feel like I'm constantly reinventing the wheel. So this new project, buymyfuture.com, is my way to remove that process from my life. And to basically build a new process that feels really akin to me and that feels really like something that I would enjoy doing. And so what it is, is it's it's a one-time lifetime access payment of $1,000 and you get the eight things I've created over the past two years. You get guaranteed six things that I'm going to make in the next two years. And little secret, I actually have four other things that you will get as well. And I'm saying that here, and I haven't said it anywhere else. And then you also get access to anything I will ever create for the rest of my life for one payment of $1,000. So my goal is that each year, I would love to open up access to my future, which sounds ridiculous, I would like that to be the only thing that I have to sell. And so for two weeks, I focus on selling because I need to pay the bills and I have to be able to afford to create things. But then for the other 50 weeks, I'm creating, I'm solving problems, I'm coming up with new things, I'm writing, I'm doing all the things that I really enjoy doing and with a tight knit community of people who invest in my future. And that's what I want to be doing. So that is the new project, Buy My Future.
0: I'm a little in shock right now. I know, <laughs> I know that you've, uh, you've sold your last name in the past. And now you are selling once and for all everything you do. That's kind of genius. It sounds really difficult because it's a very big lump sum. Are you... And you hate selling. This I'm, I'm confused about. Tell me a little bit about how you're going to do this if you hate selling and you have to convince people to give you a G-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really interesting actually coming up with the initial price for my future because I look at the total value of the products that I have created or will create in the next two years that I'm kind of guaranteeing. You know, I'm saying like you are going to get this no matter what. This is guaranteed to you. So that total value is $4,500. $600 a year of that value will be access to tea Tree, which is an online learning platform that I have. And so people who buy that, I mean, if, if you were just interested in using tea Tree alone for more than a year, and a half, buying my future is a great way to get that and never have to pay for it again. But I really think that this price point feels good to me. It feels like the right amount of money that having like customer lifetime value. You know, I don't know a lot of customers that I've had that I have made over $1000 with. Maybe there's a handful of them for sure, but I also don't track a lot of that stuff so I don't know. But for me, to be able to say every customer that I get going forward has a customer lifetime value of $1000 feels perfect for me. That feels like a great number. And then on the flip side of it for someone paying for this, I'm essentially saying, "Hey, you you get a 25% or well, 75% off discount on the value of everything that I have." not including what I will be doing for the rest of my life that you also get access to, that also feels congruent with the price. So that in itself was, I think, the the initial start to this that made me just kind of nod my head as I was thinking about this idea of selling my future. Like, yeah, this feels good. You know, establishing a price, thinking about something that feels about right, you know, that was a good first step.
0: And tell me a little bit about your daily journal, which I've been following like almost every, I, even when I'm on my phone, I'll like type in like bit.ly slash project <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, the Bitly's to, work, the Bitly's work. I mean uh, honestly,
0: I love it's it's kind of like a novel. I'm like, all right, what happened today? Awesome. Um, that's and, cool.
1: Well, th- so that's exactly what I hoped it would be. So for people who haven't seen it, I basically did this 60-day journal on Medium and it was exclusively done on Medium because it was just a platform where I thought I could reach more people. You know, I feel like my own website is kind of a silo. Anywhere else that I would do it just didn't feel like it would reach the audience that I wanted to reach that would be a potential buyer, truthfully of By My Future. Uh, But yeah, the entire idea of the journal, like you said, is is a story, is a look into this project and the lead up to it. Because I think so often, and I do this on my own is you launch something, you build something, you put something out into the world, and then you write the successful recap. And it's you know here's how much money I made, and here's how well everything did. Well, where's the struggle? You know where's the the, the self doubt? Where's the times when you don't think something's going to work? Where's the negative criticism that you hear from people? You know where is all of that stuff in these projects? And so as I thought about that, I said, well if I'm asking these questions, I should answer them myself. And so that's what that sixty day journal kind of became for me was a daily way to share those emotions and those thoughts, and then some also behind the scenes things. You know. The breakdown of the initial branding of the project. And, you know, it was called Project Galaxy at the time. So, just as a code name to keep some secrecy uh, to the marketing of it. But yeah, every day was just a new post. And one that happened that I remember was on day 19 when my, by the middle of the day, my to do list was just completely obliterated. Like nothing got done that I wanted to get done. And I kind of could have gone two directions. I could have just said, you know, throw up my hands, screw it. I'm not going to get anything done today, whatever. Uh, But instead, I said, let me take a break from this project and what I needed to get done today. And then let me come back and just. Just do a couple actionable things. Let me just get a couple things done so I can feel like I I didn't just get nothing done. And so I did that. And I felt really good at the end of the day, actually, I didn't get my to do items done. But I did get other things done. And so I kind of thought of that metaphor of like, you either let the train go off the tracks and crash and burn, or you kind of see the train and it's coming up to something bad. And you go, Nope, let's switch to a different track that we weren't expecting. And let's see where that takes us. And so for me, that journal, you know, really was a daily version of that. And to really show people, entrepreneurs, other creators, other business owners, that this happens for everybody, even the most successful of projects that you read all these awesome case studies about, we all go through the self-doubt and the fear and all this stuff, you know, and the days where things just don't get done. But here's how they get dealt with. And here's how I'm dealing with them. So yeah, that's that was the journal. That was the codename Project Galaxy on Medium.
0: And you mentioned very frequently in the journal, especially in this this last entry that I read, was about moral support and defeating fear. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how you do that, like step by step. And I know that. It's difficult for people you might say like I have a, a close group of friends that I yep. can turn to. And my question is like when you don't have access to those practical things that help you, what do you recommend they do? So that's, I guess that's two questions. What do you do and what do you recommend somebody does when they when they feel a little bit lost?
1: Yeah, so first point is even someone like myself who does a lot of crazy projects, I experience self-doubt with every one of them. And I experience fear and I experience the thoughts of, oh, this won't work and who am I to do this and all that stuff. So basically just understand that happens and then move on, right? So my process for getting through that, though, is not just, I mean, it's not as easy as just moving on. But the way that I get it to a let's move on point is I have a support group. I have, you know, uh, people who I know on the Internet that I've met through various projects or that i am just connected with on Twitter that I've talked to on Skype a couple times who are just people who are creating things like I am. And so it's not like going to my mom where I'm like, hey, mom, like, you know, having a rough day. And she's like, oh, I love you. And, you know, unfortunately, I love my mom to death. But that doesn't help you overcome the self-doubt and the fear because that doesn't solve the problem that you're experiencing. And so instead, you go to someone who may have experienced something in their own business that's somewhat aligned with what you're doing and that you can just talk to them. And in talking to that person, uh, you start to really realize, okay, these fears are not, not actually worthwhile or whatever. And the other exercise that I like to do, whether with somebody or on my own, which I think answers the second part of your question, is go down the rabbit hole of what ifs. Like, let myself experience all of the what if questions. Uh, What if this fails? What if people hate me? What if I put this up for sale and no one buys? Um, What if people think I'm a bad person because I'm doing this? Um, You know, what if my mom is mad at me because I didn't call her when I had self doubt? You know, just all of these questions. And then look at them all and say, okay, these are just assumptions that I'm making for no reason whatsoever. I have no data to back any of them up, mostly because my project hasn't launched yet. Um, I haven't really put any work into selling it or anything that a lot of these things could be validated by. And I think once you do that, at least for myself, it lets me step away from those things. And writing them down, I think, is a great idea too. Um, whether you want to keep it in a journal, whether you want to make it publicly accountable, um, whatever you want to do that makes you feel good, You know, those are the different ways that I experience that stuff um, and, and work through it either on my own or with a support group of people that I've reached out to and met over the years, online or in person.
0: Do you think that the majority of that online support group comes from people you have met online and who work in similar things? Or is it kind of equal with the amount of people that you know, you know, just from your childhood or from high school or from college or, or anywhere?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I can count on one finger the amount of people that I talk to from my childhood, high school, college, even initial nine to five days, people that I trust to get feedback from on my ideas. It's one person. I literally have one because the rest of those people are not doing things that I'm doing. They're not. They don't have experiences that I've had, and they're working in their own worlds. You know that that don't align with what I'm doing. And so, actually, early on with my iron shirt project, I went to those types of people and asked them for feedback. And they're like, "Oh, you shouldn't do this. This isn't a good idea. This won't work." And what I realized was that that's just them projecting their fear of if they were to do this idea based on their secure nine to five job that they have that they hate. That that was something that they were afraid of. They were afraid of for me that you know because of their own things and and I couldn't relate to that. And so I think that that type of feedback is very dangerous. So I don't really go to anybody from like long standing relationships. Again, like I bring up my mom. Like I wouldn't ask my mom for entrepreneurial advice. I love my mom to death, but she was never an entrepreneur. She never had this experience. I may ask her for maybe financial advice. You know, hey, what should I do with this money? She has some financial experience. That would make more sense. Um, but yeah, I try and find people that I. Can align with online or offline at events, uh, you know, and we've both been to Misfit, which is a great event to meet people that I think we're very much in alignment with and that you can reach out to and you have a lot of core values. And so if you can find those people who are experiencing some of the same things that you are, that connection becomes a great place for feedback and a great place for support. But you just have to be careful with who you're talking to and knowing where their support and feedback is coming from.
0: And I'm curious how the feedback that you're receiving uh, via the Medium journal or, you know, out of personal conversations have influenced by my future, either directly or because of even through the journal, like your own personal reflection, you know, when you're writing, you're seeing sometimes things as like an outsider. And I wonder how that's either changing or influencing uh, by my future as you create it.
1: So I, I don't know if this is the same for other people, but it is for me. A lot of times when I start a project, I have already committed in my mind that I'm going to do this project no matter what. And that may be a DNA thing. You know, that just may be a thing that's within me that I just have. And so everyone could have told me throughout the 60-day the journal, oh, what is this idea that sounds stupid? Uh, I don't like what you're sharing. I don't think it's going to work. None of it would have stopped me from doing by My Future. Not a single thing. Now, would it have maybe made me feel bummed out one day? Yes. Would it have made me, you know... Maybe not feel like I was loved online. Yes, absolutely. But that wouldn't have stopped me from doing the project because those small bits of fear were not going to overtake the desire and the drive that I had for the project. And and another way that I like to say that for anything that I'm working on is I want something more than I'm afraid to do it. And so when I commit to do a project, I have already said, I want this thing more than any fear that could come up will slow me from doing that. But the one thing I will say about the Medium Journal that is just fantastic is it provided me the opportunity to talk to a lot of people who I wasn't connected with, who had never even heard of me, and I could get on Skype with them, and I could get on the phone with them, and I could tell them the behind the scenes and hear their reactions uh, as complete strangers. And these are people who, what would it matter if they told me this was a bad idea? I don't know them. I don't have, you know, I'm probably never going to talk to them again, potentially. But those people, and I talked to, I think, seven to 10 strangers. I can't remember the exact number, but somewhere in that range, seven to 10, not a ton. But almost all of them were like, this is a great idea. I love this idea. And now that I know more about you, the longer I talk to you, which would hopefully be the longer I read the sales page for Buy My Future, the more I feel like, wow, this could be a really good fit for me. Um, so yeah, I think those were a couple of the things. and and just the I, I also like to tell people, and this came from me writing my book, is that people are very quickly to give a negative review of something or give criticism of something. But even when people enjoy something, they don't tend to tell that person or or authors specifically. You know, maybe some people leave reviews on Amazon, but there are people who believe that books are the best books they've ever read and they've never told the author or they've never even told people that. And so the Medium Journal for me also kind of has given me the opportunity to hear from people through Twitter or through Facebook or through email that they love the journal, whereas they didn't comment on the journal I didn't even know they were reading the journal, but they've reached out and told me. And so that even provided a layer of just, I guess, acceptance or proving that it was worthwhile to do.
0: That's interesting. I mean, I was telling you earlier that before we started recording that I bought one of your t-shirts and it's here in Nicaragua. And you had no idea probably. <laughs> <that> <laughs> no,
1: I, I honestly, I, I didn't. And that's really cool.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I've been reading the journal every day, like a little fangirl. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on over there in San Diego? How's this going? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. I mean, obviously, you sound like you do a bunch every day. Like, I don't know how you get all this stuff done because I know that you're also a writer. You know, you've got By My Future going on and you've got past products that you are still giving support to because, I mean, you're still selling them, right? Through By My Future. So there's courses and stuff like that. How do you manage your day? In terms of creating versus like worrying about the monies or the admin or the really exciting stuff like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my answer to this question would probably vary year to year, or even every couple of months. You know, it would change. And where I'm at right now is so I'll just let's just go through the day. Let's go through a day of Jason Zook. This will be fun. Let's do it. I wake up every morning and like most people, I grab my phone, but I don't go to any reactive things on my phone. So I don't go to Facebook. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter on my phone anymore. Um, I don't open my email, even though I can see the stupid little red notifications. I don't even look at text messages, to be honest. I go to Instagram and I look at Instagram and it's a curated feed of beautiful photos, which I need to add yours to because you take amazing photos. And there's nothing bad that will be in my feed because I have chosen what's in there. And so I see puppies and I see nice cars and I see beautiful landscape and beautiful people. And that's like the first thing I see in my day. That's a great way to start the day, right? That positive ripple effect for me, I know makes a profound impact. So then I get up out of bed and I make coffee. And most of the time coffee takes me five to ten minutes to make and I leave my phone at my desk and it's kind of like a meditative time for me. I mean I don't do any meditation. I've never done meditation before but I do nothing else but just sit there and let my thoughts fester while I'm you know, grinding beans and pouring hot water over them and, and all that stuff. Um, and so then I sit down on my computer and then I allow myself to get into uh, reactive mode. You know, then I'll check and, and really if you think about it, it's like I take care of myself first. And then almost immediately take care of my customers or, you know, my community. And what do they need from me? You know, what are the support requests that come through? What are the questions that they have? And I basically give myself about an hour of email and Twitter and not much Facebook. I mean, really, I'll just like click into Facebook, anything, no, close it. Um, I don't read the newsfeed, I don't do any of that. But I, I just try and handle the reactive stuff. So I've, I've had the good part of my morning and then I go into reaction. And f- you know, from there, then my day is 100% based on my calendar. And so I use the Sunrise Calendar, which is basically the same as Google Calendar. And I schedule out blocks of time for things. So whether that's podcast interviews like this, uh, whether that's time for writing, which typically would happen after I'd answer email because then I've kind of warmed up my writing muscles in responding to email. You know, I would do that or... I would block off time for uh, creating, you know, coming up with ideas, you know, writing down strategy stuff, you know, working with other entrepreneurs, whatever that is. But my day is 100% dictated by my calendar. And then I also have time in there that's like, you know, two hours that are blocked off to be like, don't work right now. And I'll go and I'll lay by the pool and I'll do nothing or I'll read a book. And so, you know, my day is is kind of very scheduled, but it's also scheduled to take time off so that I'm not just working a nine to five job. That's not why I became an entrepreneur. It was just to work nine to five scheduled every single day. Yeah. And then at night, you know, I, I try and detach from the computer you know, sometime around seven or eight o'clock, you know, depending on how much time I've taken away throughout the middle of the day and what I need to get done. And, you know, I just kind of hang out. We have roommates here. So we, we chat with roommates, we make dinner, we go out to dinner, we do something, go see a movie. Uh, and just that's kind of what a normal day looks like.
0: Oh, Life without kids. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah,
1: I do have a dog. He has to go out every once in a while, but he's very much on a routine.
0: Oh, baby JJ. Oh, I'm just JJ. thinking about how he has changed my creative schedule. We're managing it. We're getting through it. But, yes. um, and I, I was wondering how you've. I mean, what is the biggest struggle that you've had? And it sounds like you don't have any struggles when you tell me about this beautiful day, laying by the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but I know from for a fact, I've been an entrepreneur that there are many, many bazillion struggles that we go through. It's such a roller coaster. How do you handle the lows? So that it doesn't overcome you. Like, for example, I have a feel good box. It's what I mm. call a little folder in my Dropbox where I'll take a screenshot every time somebody replies to one of my newsletters or something and says, like, Oh, Marcel, I really enjoyed that. I'm like screenshot <laughs> and I'll put it in my calendar. And be like, or when I know that I'm feeling kind of like blah, I'm like, mm, let's visit the feel good box. <laughs> nice. What, um, what other than, you know, your support group, what kind of stuff do you do? to overcome those really low lows like you know those moments where you're like screw this like i'm gonna maybe look on a job board no i'm not (laughs) yes i am no i'm not
1: Yes. So to clearly answer your question, we have to go back in time and look at my down years. So 2012, 13, and some of 14 were really low points for me. 2012, my Irish shirt business was winding down. I was losing money every month. 2013, I was in $100,000 in debt and had no clue how I would make ends meet every week. Um, And 2014 was the first time in my life when I started to reestablish my values and figure out what really mattered to me in life and business and how could I create a healthy business. You know, I think that's been a really interesting thing for me because that's how I have the day that I have now. Is the investment in time that I put into define. What makes me happy in a day-to-day basis? So those things for me, uh, and I give my girlfriend a lot of credit for this. Uh, Caroline from MadeVibrant.com. She talks to soulful creatives, and I'm like one-tenth soulful creative. But some of her stuff has really stuck with me, and, and so for me, it was control. And control means that uh, a client can't tell me what I can and can't do every day. So I just don't have clients anymore, and I don't dictate my income based on you know someone else's decisions. You know, customers can make those decisions, but I think I do have more control, and I've I've learned that. Uh, flexibility. I want to be able to work from anywhere, go anywhere. I don't want to be tied down. I mean, there's so many times I've wanted to open like the crazy cool coffee shop with awesome Wi-Fi and I don't know, board games or something, but I would have to run that. That's a physical space that I would not be able to leave. So that doesn't fit within my flexibility value. You know, and then the other thing for me is, I don't know how you define money in a simple word, but my mindset shift has changed on money where it used to be driven by, I wanted to have a certain amount of money. I think it's because I grew up you know, lower middle class, if you will, you know, could only have one box of cereal and it wasn't Frosted Flakes. I had to get the off name brand because my mom had to work three jobs to support, you know, being a single parent. And so I had a real issue with money. And then I finally addressed it. And I think that's when I got into some serious debt. And I said, Money doesn't control me. Money is just a vehicle to which I find happiness in my life. And so I needed to trim down. I needed to cut all the things that were superfluous in my life and that I didn't need. And I had to say, What do I just need to survive to be happy? And that really helped shift my mind on money. So, interestingly enough, like right now, if I was, you know, if it was just Caroline and I living somewhere, I mean, we could live off of probably $3,000 a month together. So, which for a lot of people, I mean, that's a that's a normal salary, a $30,000 salary a year. That would probably surprise a lot of people, you know, that we could live off of that. But we could because we've realigned our values. The things that make us happy are not necessarily extravagant travel and things and all this other stuff. It's going to the movies every once in a while and going out to dinner every once in a while and, you know, being able to go on hikes and, you know, do stuff that's outside. So, getting through those low points, to specifically answer your question, has been a long journey of fighting through what I didn't know my values were and establishing my values. And now that I know them, everything I do gets put through that filter and it makes my decisions a lot easier. So I don't experience a lot of the low points every day because everything that I do goes through those values.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I think that leads us nicely into what I wanted to ask you next. And it sounds like you may have answered it. What do you wish you would have known when you started out? Mm. There's a lot of That's gems it. that you've said that would have been great before you started, but you know maybe it's not the one thing that you wish you would have known.
1: I like this question a lot more than what people normally ask which is what would you change if you could go back because I would never change anything and I just wanted to mention that. Um what would I wish I would have known? I think I wish that I would have known that I need to create a healthy business in one that doesn't trap me into working long hours just to become an entrepreneur. And so, you know, the four hour work week is a great example. Like I think that book gives a lot of practical advice on how to set yourself up for that. But I didn't look at it through the lens of understanding that the time was so valuable for my happiness and my health. And so if I could go back, it would be to build a much healthier business with, you know, a lot more balance involved of taking time off and taking creative breaks. But I wouldn't change anything. I want to just make sure that that's clear because I'm the person that I am today. And I have the life that I have today because of what I've gone through and what I've experienced.
0: But just wouldn't it be awesome to just not have those lows be so low or maybe it's just me that that's awesome and i think that i i share that with you and i think that's why this podcast is called process (laughs) um i think it speaks to exactly why i I created this because it's those lows if we could manage i wish i i could just save a lot of people from that suffering if you know what i'm
1: yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah i I do i mean i i 100 percent hear what you're saying. And I think that the unfortunate thing is that for so many people, if you help them avoid the suffering, they'll inevitably make that mistake, but they'll make it in a bigger way because they didn't experience it in a way before that. And so for me, I like to say that like, yeah, it sucks that I got into $100,000 in debt, but what if I didn't? What if then I got into a million dollars in debt? You know, that's a whole different world. That's a whole different scary animal. And $100,000 in debt has been manageable in the fact that I can attack it. Like it feels like something I can do. I wouldn't want to experience that on a, on a bigger level. So I totally get what you're saying. I, I, you know, I want people to be happy and I want them to feel taken care of and not struggle. But I also think at some point, if you don't struggle and if you don't experience bad things, you're only going to repeat them or in, on a bigger stage.
0: I think I, I went through that myself when I started out as an entrepreneur. I started with a co-founder and that six months later went down the drain. And when I was really upset about it and going through one of these really low lows, my dad said to me, listen, this is a great moment for this to happen. Mm. Because if you would have made this mistake, not that working with some and a co-founder is a mistake, just in this case, if you would have made the same mistake ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road, it wouldn't have been a few thousand dollars that were at stake; mm. It'd be a lot more. And I was like, "True, Dad."
1: <laughs> <Why laughs> yeah, is and I, th- I think if you want like an actionable takeaway from this, go read Ryan Holiday's book, "The Obstacle Is the Way." Great book. Uh, yeah, that book opened up my eyes to understanding that these hurdles and these unfortunate events and these lows are actually pivotal moments that take you to success and to achievement and to, uh, you know, establishing your values and all those things. Uh, they're, they're very pivotal. They're very important things to have happen.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting about this book is about stoicism. And there's a blog that I came across where I don't know if you've read this blog where it's a daily journal where the, I believe his name is Dale. He takes uh, Stoicism is first, and he decides to apply it for 30 days for an entire month. And he journals about his process with it. So he does like cold baths and um, mm. negative visualization. And he starts writing about how it's changing his mindset. I think month two was Christianity. And I was like, I got a little bored. <laughs> but Stoicism <laughs> was amazing. And um, just that book is Ryan Holiday. Obviously, he summarizes it really well, the whole philosophy behind it. And the the examples he gives are Awesome. So I'll I'll include that in the show notes so people can check out that book. Very cool. So one last question. Um, It's a double question because it may be the same thing, maybe the same answer, maybe not. What are you worried about right now and what are you excited about right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, so we're right in the throes of By My Future, you know, kind of being out and I – I'm worried that no one will care. I mean, I, I think that I already know I've hedged my bets enough and I've done enough planning and preparation that people will and they will buy and it will afford me the freedoms that I want, uh, especially financially, to be able to create and to build this community. And And so I am a little bit afraid of that because that's just an inherent thing. And I think I'm excited about my future. I mean, I think that I know for myself that I'm a new person every year. I'm a different person. I have different goals, different desires, different wants. You know, I want to be somewhere new. Uh, I want to experience new things. I'm really excited about where my future is is going to go. And uh, I don't know what that's going to be like, but I'm pumped to bring people on the journey with me um, in a really kind of interesting way.
0: And I've lived it a little bit. I met you in Misfit uh, conference in Fargo, North Dakota two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. yeah. And you were really worried (laughs) that Mm -hmm. year. I remember you saying that, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen and you wanted a lot of things to happen in your life and you didn't feel like I don't know if the word is aligned, but fulfilled. Um, yeah. And yeah, now, absolutely. just by interacting with you online, I've seen that, that shift. So I congratulate you on it. And it's awesome. It's so amazing that you're sharing your progress and, and the process behind everything that you're creating. I just want to. I say that I admire that.
1: Thank you so much. I I am glad that it kind of comes out that way. It comes off that way, if you will. I I think that there are more entrepreneurs that are out there in the world that need to share how they get to certain levels, not the, you know, after the fact, you know, and all the shiny, beautiful stuff um, and share some of the nitty gritty and some of the tough moments and and how they kind of work through them. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a blast to chat. I, I hope I haven't rambled too much for your listeners, but thanks for the awesome questions.
0: And thank you for being on process. You heard it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jason Zook of Buy Your Future. Thanks, Jason, for sharing all that with us. I'll be posting more on where you can find him online in the show notes. So visit our website, marcelachamorro.com process. And to you, thank you for listening to Process. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you subscribed. Visit iTunes to subscribe now, and you'll be in the loop when we're back with more episodes in one week, so next Friday. Remember to drop us a review if you enjoyed this talk with Jason. I'd be so grateful. Tune into our next episode of Process for more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process.